you found the Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Verstero, and I'm so glad you joined us today. And today, I have with us on the other end of my line is a fantastic individual who I've had the privilege and honor of meeting a number of times, listened to him speak on a number of occasions. He knows his stuff. He's committed to some great causes, and I'm so glad you're here with us. Doug Rutledge, thanks for joining us here on the Michigan Business Network. Hey, thank you, Vic. It's great to be with you today. Yeah, it's so good to have you here. And and what's really exciting to me is to know uh, your role. You and your beautiful wife, Dawn, uh, had um, been founders of an organization called Crossroads Farm, which is down in beautiful Reading, Michigan, the southern part of our state. And um, one of the things that you guys did down there is you got uh, involved in the lives of uh, rural teenagers and have been making a difference ever since. Can you take us uh, back to, well, let me start with what is your current role and then and then take me back to the origins here. So let's start with what you currently do down there. Yeah. So, uh, well, my role is president of Crossroads Farm. Um, so that's, uh, that's how I function. That's a job title. It doesn't really mean much. Uh, most, <laughs> most presidents know chief cook and bottle washer, right. probably a better way to state that. Do right? it all. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess I, I would take you back and just tell you that uh, Crossroads Farm was developed because we were aware of some really unique needs in rural America. Uh, um, in our study, we realized that it wasn't just one rural community. It, it was almost across the the board, all rural communities. And, uh, and, you know, my thing is that I love teenagers that, uh, that's a turnoff for some people that excites me. <laughs> and so we realized, man, so many of life's decisions are being made by teenagers who don't have a lot of opportunity. How can we step into that uh, just one community at a time and start to rewrite the culture of rural communities? Yeah. So, yeah, that's what we do. And part of what part of what some of the challenges, at least at least I've noticed um, in some of these smaller burgs out in um, rural Michigan, is that we've got we've got a, a pretty stressed economic picture right now. Those little towns used to be built on the backs of dozens of farmers that would uh, that would bring the value in in there, and now many of those farms have gone away to become part of bigger farms. And so there's fewer people in those rural areas, and and that means that you've got these rural teenagers that oftentimes are looking for some type of inspiration or some place to go to move further ahead and and um, uh, trouble that they can get into. So it's it's uh, it's wonderful that you've got this as an alternative for them. You yeah. you uh, in your in your situation, did you did did Reading Michigan choose you or did you choose Reading? You know, we uh, when we launched, uh, so I was involved with a large church, and um, we determined that this was the direction we were going to go. Um, so when we started the conversation, we really did look nationally. So we did a national study. We began to look at uh, critical moral markers and opportunities. We started to talk about, uh, you know, the kind of miles between towns. Some of those were just pragmatic questions. But when we uh, landed, uh, we determined that we were Midwest people, you know, born and raised kind of in the Midwest. So that would determine where we'd be most effective. Um, it, it's not where we ultimately are going, but it is where we started. And so um, after doing a pretty exhaustive study, we said, well, you know, Michigan's pretty needy. And that's not a criticism. It's just a statement of reality that there were some rural uh, challenges in Michigan. And then of uh, those counties in Michigan, we discovered that my wife's hometown, the place 
where she grew up uh, was decidedly challenged. At the time, it was in the top three, and that's a, the wrong way to state that, <laughs> bottom three, maybe <laughs> yeah. better, yeah. in terms of teen pregnancy, alcohol oh. abuse, uh, suicide, uh, you know, um, drug abuse. And we just said, man, we can step into something that uh, my wife Dawn already knows a little bit. So um, it was both. We chose rural because we knew the need. Uh, reading chose us based on the amount of need. So we're here in Hillsdale County, uh, you know, and that's that's how it happened. Kind of both and. Oh yeah, well I think it's so it's so incredible when you when you think about needs and some of the challenges. But you know that can't be easy because I'm not sure anybody in the early days really knew what you were trying to do, other than saying, "Hey, we want to try to make a difference." And um, and that's just an, a hard thing because there's so much need. Uh, how do you even? It, it's the old, the old conversation we used to talk about. Doug is nailing Jello to the wall. How do you yeah. how do you grab it? How do you get a hold of it? Because it isn't. It's just not that easy. Yeah, nailing Jello to that's or hurting cats. Yeah. The, you know, either either one works. Uh, I th- I think what we determined is we were going to do something, and so we knew who we were, and and from the beginning we said we're going to just do what we do. Um, we knew that that had been impacting where we'd already been. We didn't suspect that there was a huge difference in the nature of teenagers. So we thought, you know, the the essential needs are going to be the same. What we weren't anticipating is the increased need. I I think when we landed here, uh, (laughs) we sort of landed thinking, all right, we're here, we're going to make a difference. And then we (laughs) realized the depth of the need, you know, I contend that most romances uh, are really just naivety disguised as opportunity. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, isn't that so true? And sometimes you don't know the depth of what you're getting into until after you're already there and committed. So, Doug, oh, yeah. I'm glad you're here with us today and committed to our conversation here on the Leadership Lowdown. This is the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with Doug Rutledge, and thanks for tuning in. We'll be right back. Place keeps changing, and successful companies recognize and embrace change through choice, adaptability, and innovation. DBI offers affordable furniture solutions for countless workspace options that will enhance the performance of your people and organization. DBI helps customers reach their workplace goals from improving worker effectiveness and innovation to brand expression. DBI is your office furniture partner. Learn more at dbiguess.com. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with Doug Rutledge. He's from Crossroads Farms, an organization that is committed to the rural teenager. And uh, I'm so excited to talk to Doug and hear him, his story about making a difference. And of course, some of the stories can apply to the world we all live in, in in terms of business. And Doug, you went down to reading and, and got involved with Crossroads Farms and created it from scratch. There had to be some unexpected uh, consequences and unexpected expected events that happened early on. Any of them that you can share with us that uh, aren't too discouraging? 
you know, nothing's a discouragement uh, because I, I really believe this, that whatever happens uh, is intended uh, as as a way that I become who I'm supposed to become, mm, wow. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Uh, so any challenge, I think uh, we were surprised for sure, but I think we embraced pretty early on that uh, that we were going to be the answer to our own prayers. Mm. That sounds really uh, overly spiritual. It's not. What... <laughs> What what it meant is, as these challenges came up, we we were surprised for a second, and then we thought, well, what do you expect? I mean, you're you're starting. Um, the first challenge was we thought money was easier to come by than it was. So, that's probably <laughs> were you, were you looking for right? trees trees that was growing on down there? <laughs> well, that's uh, yeah, a little yeah. that's a little naive, but maybe you know you're kind of enthusiastic. We can do this. We got a good cause, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I do think enthusiasm drives the initial launch, yeah. but again, it's naivety a lot of times. It's <laughs> romance, uh, and uh, once we once we launched, we said, okay, so we'd better create a vehicle that allows us to do what we're going to do, and so out of that, the business model was created. Um, but but again, the business model doesn't it doesn't exist unless we're faced with the challenge of how do we do this in a community that can't support itself. Yeah. So the community cannot support what we do. Uh, literally, we had to build a network of people nationally who said, we'll help you do this. We'll step into that gap. So mm-hmm. the, the financial thing was a big deal. The second thing is I didn't speak the language. So <laughs> we we had this conversation today. Uh, I was asking our leaders from different communities. I said, "So is your is your community a long story community or a short story community?" Mm. And I'm a storyteller, uh-huh. but I was telling the wrong parts of the story. And in rural America, um, what we discovered in our particular community is that I had to tell the right story. And I, I didn't have any of those stories. I was a city kid transplanted to rural America. Oh. So when somebody talked about you know, what they were working on with their car, I thought, man, I'm doing bigger things than that. I don't have time to talk to you about your car or about your deer hunting season. or about. Now, it turns out that I've become that kind of person more and more as I live here because you know you have to assimilate to where you are. Yeah. But uh, learning to speak the language was a big deal, and people didn't trust us. They also didn't really want us. So um, if you think about it this way, Vic, so the last time you went to a doctor, you were really excited to see them, right? <laughs> well... <laughs> You know, <laughs> they were excited to see me. They, <laughs> I'm a sure. project for them. <laughs> right. That's what. That's the way I feel. Yeah. I feel like I am. Uh, I am definitely a career uh, permanent for most <laughs> of my positions. So the, for me, uh, we came into the community. We said, "Look, we have a model. We know it'll work. We know generationally, it's going to make a difference in the community. It's going to be a cultural shift." And and the community at first looked at us and said, well, we know who she is, meaning my wife. Yeah. We don't know who you are, mm-hmm. and we don't necessarily trust you. So when you prove to us that you like us, yeah. then we'll listen to what you have to say. Well, and I think you bring up something else. I, there, there's a lot in there, Doug, that I don't want to just, just walk past too quickly. First of all, the language sure. thing. I think the language is is um, is really important because in business and wherever you're at in the world, um, people have to trust you. And if you can't speak their language and identify with them and understand them, 
um, then there's a there's a natural wall of distrust that uh, that that gets up that gets built up, and I think I think that's problematic. And then you know the other thing too is is um, um, when you're when you're talking to people, one oh one is what's important to them. And, uh, and so, uh, and, and I think a lot of times people love to hear themselves talk. And so if you're bored and not paying attention to their deer hunting season or what they, uh, what they're doing with their vehicle or whatever, man, those are, those are problems and challenges. And then I I think the other thing about that, I, I think you would agree is that some of these families in our rural part of Michigan have been there for, uh, 75, a hundred years or more. Um, and so you come into town, you're new, but they've been, they've got roots that go down for 75 years. So right. how long are you going to be here? Are you passing through or do you really want to be a part of this community, right? Yeah, I agree. So I do agree with you. I think this, there's an interesting scenario. So if I'm, an, if I'm a restaurant owner, I'm aware of the fact that if I make a big enough splash, people will try me out. Yeah. But that's not a rural community philosophy. <laughs> right. That's, you know, I'm going to try the new restaurant because I want to try something new. Well, in a rural community, the busy restaurant is the one that's been around for 50 years. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's the diner, right? Yeah, great, great um, point. And, and one of the things that we had to uh, really wrestle with is that the language was the way that we were going to be accepted. We, we are more the same because of language than anything else. Mm. And uh, I'm not, that's not an original thought. I just got done reading a book that has nothing to do with business by uh, a comedian named Trevor Noah. And he makes the point that in South Africa, it was the language you spoke that identified whether or not you were part of the, of this group, of this tribe. Well, there's there's That's so it. many there's so many ways to pour in and gather information. And man, I'm I'm really excited, Doug. You're with us today here on the Michigan Business Network. This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Versera. We're going to take a quick break, break and come right back. Sinair has been advancing communities and providing opportunities for people in Michigan for more than 25 years. Through lending, investments, and the creation of homes and jobs, Sinair has made a combined $7 billion impact on the communities they serve. Learn more at www.sinair.com. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown here on the Michigan Business Network. I'm Vic Versero with the impressive Doug Rutledge. He is from Crossroads Farms. And Doug, I can't thank you enough because I just know in your world, one day you're probably doing something down on the farm that's probably covered in smells and odors and different things going on. And the next day you're working inside of some kind of a big league event to make sure you've got funding for your organization. But I just thank you for sharing today. And you talked a little bit about trying to earn the, the respect and earn the trust of people around you and it begins with language and so if you could drill down on language a little more for me I'd I'd appreciate that sure Uh, so so learning to speak the language is more a uh, it's more a cultural uh, accommodation than anything else it's not about the words that we speak it's about the things that are important to us 
and so for us to realize that when somebody was talking about their deer season, they're really talking about something more than a deer season. I'm just, I'm zeroing in on one thing, but really the cultural center of a rural community for us was the school. Everything mm-hmm. happens around the school. And so we had to learn to speak that language. We naturally did speak the language, but we were aware of unique challenges at, at the school, which is where parents go as well. Um, so when we started talking, we started to, instead of telling them what they needed, we started to listen instead. What, what were people telling us, uh, you know, was important to them? And in determining the importance, you actually can refine, for better, uh, you know, for better way to say it, you can refine the product that you're really trying to convince them is important to them as well. Mm-hmm. So we knew a couple things. Number one, we knew there were unique challenges to teenagers because one of the things that we heard all the time, so this was a language that we had to change, maybe a, a phrase that we had to change, was that kids were saying all the time, I can hardly wait to leave that place. And we said, if we can change the the soundtrack to where a kid says, I can hardly wait to come back to my home, Uh, we were going to make cultural shift. And I I think that that's a, that's a clear statement. Here's how I, here's how I'll illustrate it. So we had a number of students who were part of our leadership team. They were just high school kids growing up and uh, had a group of friends and they, they were high achievers. Uh, some of them were going away on athletic scholarships to you know, big universities, and some of them were going away on academic scholarships. They were our leaders. We'd poured into them for a number of years. And one of the guys, a guy named Paul, who's a really good friend of mine, went away uh, on an athletic scholarship uh, and became student body president at Central Michigan University. And at that point, his best friend went to Northern Michigan and became student body president in Northern Michigan. We were pretty well (laughs) represented at that point in the universities. Well, uh, Paul came back home after earning his MBA, had uh, offers to go just about anywhere and do just about anything, and uh, determined he was going to come back home and work the family farm. Now, his MBA buddies couldn't believe that because they thought you could make a lot more money. I don't know if that's true. They don't really understand farming at a corporate level. Paul does. And so Paul said, I, I want to move home, and I'm excited to move home because I want my kids to have the opportunities I had. Mm-hmm. You hear the transition of, of you know the, the soundtrack going on there. It's a student who, instead of saying, I can hardly wait to blow this pop stand, is now saying, I can hardly wait till I can come back and be a socioeconomic boost in a rural community that needed it. Wow. What a difference. And and it is a major difference. Uh, He's actually served on our board of directors. Uh, He's uh, involved nationally at a leadership level. But he's he's one of our kids, and he hangs around with us. We like him. Well, Doug, you bring up you bring up something I think is really important. And in in I think about my days in a little town called Carroll, Michigan, which was out in uh, the Thumb. And of course, uh, I remember going back to Carroll after I'd left, and was asked by the Rotary Club to to that I was a member of to to come and be their luncheon program. And and when I went back. One of the one of the messages I wanted them to hear, and it was from the heart, is that they actually have something special in yeah. that town that they just don't appreciate. And what I mean by that is that I think I think people 
oftentimes focus on things they don't have. They focus on things that that uh, that are not uh, relevant or or easy to come by in a small town. But yet, what they miss is the abundance of what they do have and the values. And those values are as precious as any diamond that you can imagine. So, yeah. I, I think uh, I think you just struck a nerve there with me in in terms of <laughs> appreciating appreciating what's around you, right, Doug? I I think that you have to love the community you're in. I don't think you go to where you love. I think you love where you go. Uh-huh. And uh, if you don't love what you're doing, the problem's not where you're doing it. The problem is you. Yeah, and it's so so much in between your ears. I'm a big believer that in terms of attitude, we all make decisions. Matter of fact, there's an old article I found that says attitude is much like uh, uh, knitting. It's a learned skill, um, yeah. not not like you're born on the sunny side of the world. But hey, yeah. Doug, you're you're bringing sunshine to our side of the world. Thanks so much for being a part of the Leadership Lowdown, and thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. This is Vic Versero. We'll be right back. Hi, this is Chris Holman, and as past chair of the National Small Business Association and a small business owner myself, I understand when you run a business, you rely heavily on your computer network. Now, you cannot afford lost data, lost customer information, and that's why you should trust your technology needs to ASK. Contact ASK at 877-ASK-4ASK for a free audit and analysis of your technology needs. That's 877-ASK-4ASK. Or find them on the internet at www.justask.net. ASK, taking the hassle out of technology so that you can run your business. This is the Michigan Business Network, and you found the Leadership Lowdown with the amazing and incredible Doug Rutledge. He laughs every time I say that, and it's just too fun because I think he's a great guy and doing some great, great work in terms of the lives of uh, rural teenagers down at a place called Crossroads Farms in beautiful Reading, Michigan. So, Doug, um, you talked early on uh, in our interview about um, this whole notion of language and the importance of, of building trust and fitting in. But tell me about, um, there's as you're putting cornerstones in place, What are what's another key cornerstone in terms of where uh, you felt you needed to go and what you needed to do to be successful down there? So uh, I'll start by saying this, that uh, one of the, uh, one of the uh, quotes that I use all the time, everybody's familiar, I think uh, most of the time, Peter Drucker's attributed with it, that uh, culture eats strategy for lunch. Mm, amen. So I love that statement. And what we were trying to do from the very beginning is create a culture of like-minded people, which meant that I not only had to speak their language, but they had to learn to speak our language. Mm. Uh, as a result, um, we began uh, to really formula, uh, you know, to, to make it formulaic a little bit in terms of our training. What are the critical components? We developed a training thing called the arms of a servant leader. What's it mean to step into a person's life? And, uh, and just give yourself to them. And as a result, our, um, our family, our crew of volunteers and professional staff now uh, is over 100 uh, across 
across the state here. So we have a team that's not huge, but it is a growing team of people committed to students and making a, a change in their life, uh, speaking into their lives. What happened is that I gained from people who had done that for me. There's almost nothing original in our training manual. I mean, it's an original take. But the truth is, there were people who spoke into our life, and they said profound things that radically changed who I was as a leader. And when I started to listen to those voices, I realized everybody needs that. A teenager needs it. But my staff needs it or else they don't pass that on to the people that are leading our teenagers. Mm. So uh, we, we started to speak those truths into kids' lives on a regular basis. You know, the sad truth is the need here is greater than, it, than it's ever been. When we started, the statistics were horrible. The kid was more likely to smoke you know, pot. Well, that's only going to go up. They were 83% more likely to use crack, 104% more likely to do methamphetamines, more likely to com- you know, be raped, to commit suicide, more likely to die in a car accident, more likely to die by gunshot wound. And those numbers have only gone up. But that yeah. doesn't mean we're failing. What it means is there's more of an opportunity that we need to, to speak into. And I started listening to uh, my mentors' voices, and we began to translate that to a handful at first, but now there's a team of mobilized people who consider this to be life call, not just something they do on the weekends. This is a life call for them. Wow. And identifying those is interesting. So tell me, um, you know, I, I think one thing that happens, it's it's real easy when you have a successful team and the winds are coming in and, and there's lots going on. Everybody wants to be a part of that, right? It, you you yeah. see it every every Saturday at a football game. But yeah. but when when um, when the, the winds aren't coming and you're trying to build that team, how do you how do you get the right people? How do you build how do you build that team? Because we're not talking about big paychecks here, Doug. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Uh, well, for us, it was hope. Mm. I, I, um, I heard a uh, celebrity say that hope was a beggar. I don't believe that. I believe that hope drives us forward to greater things. And if we could project a hope, uh, that is, that's an amazing motivator for most people. That's how every sports team starts. I was a college basketball player, and our coach didn't start out by saying, we're going to make this easy for you. Uh, you know, and if it gets hard, just, you know, take a break. <laughs> yeah, I, right. I learned the hard way. I came in and there were, there were, there were four 50, uh, 50 gallon garbage buckets at the corner of the, you know, of the floor. And I asked one of the seniors, I said, you know, what are those, what are those for? Some kind of drill? And he said, in about seven minutes, you're going to figure it out. Oh, well, no. I did. Oh, no. <laughs> it was because it was going to be really hard. They're going to fill uh, those things up, right? <laughs> I learned, though. I learned. You want to be first. Yeah. <laughs> you want to <laughs> right. be first. Uh, in everything, right? <laughs> right. That's funny, yeah. Doug. <laughs> I, yeah. So I, I think, uh, you know, you're speaking to something. I said that hope, it, hope drives difficult things. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm willing to do really, really hard things in the hope that we're making a difference. Mm. And it doesn't take many victories to realize there's hope there. But look what you so, just did. I think I think part of what you're what you're sharing is that you want people with like minded concepts beside you, right? You're picking teammates that have the same desire, the same hopes, and the same dreams, right? Same basic hopes and desire. Yeah. Yes. 
But everything else, and, I, and I'll say this honestly, no matter w- what quality people uh, come with, we'll find a place for them. And then our obligation was to either train them up in terms of expectations or train them into the culture. Yeah, yeah. So people who weren't from here, we're going to train them into the culture. People who were from here, we were going to train up their expectations. So they had a little greater hope, a little higher expectation of their own performance, their own effectiveness, their own time spent. I, I just, um, and so that became our obligation. Yeah. It was our ob- because there was no other savior for us. Right. Well, Doug, we you, you, have to champion it. you, I've got to run to break here, but man, yep. you're really, you're really uh, sharing a, a powerful story here. We're so glad you joined us. So glad you tuned into the Michigan Business Network here on the Leadership Lowdown. We'll be right back. The Lansing Board of Water and Light plans to close the coal-fired Eckerd Power Station. A plan by a citizens committee and the BWL will replace Eckerd with clean power from the wind, the sun, and from cleaner natural gas and energy-saving technologies and improve our air quality and environmental health. Learn more about the BWL's plan for reliable, affordable, and cleaner energy at LansingEnergyTomorrow.com. The Lansing Board of Water and Light. Hometown people. Hometown power. Thanks for tuning in to the Michigan Business Network. We're so glad you're listening to the Leadership Lowdown. And Doug Rutledge here today is with us from Crossroads Farms, uh, taking on the challenges in the rural teenagers' lives and doing tremendous things uh, for people that uh, we probably won't know the actual outcome of your hard work for decades to come because you've made such a positive impact. But, Doug, as I think about some of the things you shared with us so far, I gotta, I gotta wonder. There's, there have to be some people in your life that really um, put you on the straight and narrow and helped you uh, carve out some of the f- tremendous philosophies that you have. Any, any mentors, mentors that you want to call out? Yeah, I, uh, you know, I love this conversation. I had somebody who challenged me early on. They said, you can always remember the personal challenges that changed everything for you. Yeah. And, uh, those became the new, uh, I don't want to say tape, because that's an old phrase, but those became the new soundtrack for my life, yeah. um, which, by the way, is a good book. Uh, there's a guy named John Acuff, and he's funny. He's uh, light reading, but his book called uh, Soundtrack, I don't get paid for that. So oh, yeah, very, very good. <laughs> but uh, what I would say is that the first person to speak into my life in a really positive way, my parents obviously. But after them, there was a leader uh, that I knew and I coached with him. And after uh, spending some time together, he said this to me. He said, Doug, I don't know if you knew this, but for every major decision, you begin your statement with probably. Hmm. He said, I wonder if you were just aware of that. (laughs) There was no judgment in it. It was an observation. And I realized that I had hedged my bets on every decision I was making. So I would say probably, you know, I hope so. I'm looking forward to it. I might be able to. I was giving myself an out. I was was planting an eject button in every plan (laughs) I had. Yeah. And and, um, so that singular statement, and I was 
probably 20 years old, so I said probably to say, because I, I can't remember. But when he said that to me, a light went on, and I thought, I'm going to stop precursing everything I do with probably. Mm. Uh, I'm either going to state it and do it, or I'm not going to state it. Uh, there's a, another guy who came along in my life, and I loved what he said. Uh, he's the guy who I quote most often who said, Doug, is, he, he actually called me an idiot in the conversation. Oh, well, you know so he's I, a close friend then. Oh, yeah. So if nothing else, I am that guy that you can learn from in terms of mistakes I make. But he said, Doug, you're an idiot. Has it ever dawned on you that you might be the answer to your own prayers? We'd been praying that you know somebody would step into the gap in rural America. And he said, nobody else in the country is, is saying, Lord, send me to the middle of nowhere. Yeah, right. He said, you know, this is you. This is your specific call. And I contend that if I'm seeing something, I might be asked to solve the something. Uh, the second statement that he said was a character issue. So his name was Don Loney, and Don Loney spoke to more teenagers across the country than anyone since or before. Mm-hmm. Um, literally millions of teenagers, school to school to school, motivational speaker. And he, he told me this early on. He said, Doug, God is more concerned with who you are in him than what you do for him. And I realized that what I did wasn't as important as who I was. Wow. And the character matters more than the accomplishment. Mm. I, wow. I, 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 I want to live my life that way. I also have a friend who spoke into my life, and he would challenge me. And one of the things he said early on was, Doug, what you need to do is lift the great idea off the page and make it reality. Huh. And I realized that my problem was not a lack of creativity. My problem was a lack of diligence. Mm. And it changed everything. Well, and isn't that isn't that true? I I, I get around some people that because I love I love ideas. I love come sure. up with ideas and everything else. But man, it's the execution. It's going back and making the hard work because that's where it gets boring and that's where it takes to roll up the sleeves and everything else. But to your point, yeah. you know, uh, ideas are a dime a dozen. It's those people that want to implement and make it make it powerful. So tell me about these people in your life. They spoke truth to you. So let's start with that in terms of mentorship. Um, yep. um, actually pulling off and in, in, in making sure whether he's calling you idiot or whatever the, the <laughs> jargon is, but he's, but he's speaking truth and that's, that's right. impo- that's powerful when you're mentoring, right? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, one of the statements that we use around here is I, I love you enough to tell you. Oh, that's great. And, and I really believe that. I believe that, you know, the people who are telling you everything you want to hear, they're not the people who are invested in, in loving you. It's the people who are going to say the hard things. And wow. so for us, we determined that our coaching would be loving but firm, that we'd, we would be authoritative, but we don't, we don't lord over people. Yep. We're, um, we're going to be invested in their life, and we're going to walk through whatever. And here's the amazing thing, Dick, and I love this. That meant that we were responsible that as a leader, I was, I was responsible. Um, I want to jump back for just a second because you said something about hope that I love. Yeah, and, just before uh, we go to break, go ahead. Absolutely, I'll make it quick. So hope ha- is a two-edged sword. Number one, a, a good idea might bring hope, but if that idea doesn't come to fruition, it crushes hope. Mm. And we knew we couldn't afford to crush hope. Right, right. 
And and uh, maybe in the next segment we need to talk about this, but because you know hope hope can be kind of fragile along the way. So I want to get your oh, thoughts yeah. on that. So don't go anywhere. We've got a cliffhanger here. We're going to come right back after we get done with these messages here on the Michigan Business Network. Thanks for tuning in to Leadership Lowdown with Doug Rutledge. Even if you just get an hour, imagine a stress-relieving treatment, hand and arm massage, and a free makeup touch-up. Does this happen every time you have your hair done? It does at Douglas J Salon. Get the entire experience exclusively using Avita products. Guests have experienced the Douglas J difference for 45 years. Douglas J with two locations, inside the Marriott Hotel and in Okemos. Make your reservation at either professional salon by calling 877-334-8657 or visit douglasj.com today. This is the Leadership Lowdown on the Michigan Business Network, and Doug Rutledge has been taking us through some of his work with rural teenagers in Reading, Michigan, and of course the dreams of moving beyond that uh, beautiful little town. And Doug, as we talked about it in the last segment, we talked about hope, and it's interesting to me um, that where where there is no hope, there really cannot be much upward motion. And I I see that in in um, in inner city situations. I see that in mm-hmm. in kids that just don't see the future, uh, and they just don't. Don't have any dreams, and man, I, I it, it just crushes me when I when I when I talk to people that just shrug their shoulders and they don't know where to go. So, if you would uh, tell me about hope and some of some of your thoughts in terms of how to build that into that rural team. Yeah, so I, I contend that the most important key to hope is that I live it, and that that translates. Uh, so my staff will carry the hope that I carry. The students that they're rubbing off on will carry the hope that they carry. And so it's not about enthusiasm. That's a different thing. This is speaking truth into a future. This is saying, look, we're not strapped to a failure or a past history. We can move beyond it. And and that motivates. And uh, I think... You know, our team has lots of hope. We see victory. <laughs> yeah. We really do. Yeah. That's really exciting. Well, when you think about some of the issues of, of, uh, of hopes, I got to, as the founder of, of uh, Crossroads Farm, um, I, I know that you had some hopes and dreams for what you could do. You've done some amazing things down there. Tell me where, tell me what the future looks like in terms of where you're going and what your hopes are. Yeah. Uh, so we are um, anticipating the launch of our third branch in oh. Harrison County, Ohio. Mm-hmm. Uh, our second branch was launched in uh, Kalkaska County, a little town called Southman. In fact, more people know that facility than this facility because we bought a bowling alley. Oh. We thought, what a great place for kids to hang out, right? Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so we bought a bowling alley. We converted it. We changed it. Now the bowling lanes still exist, but more people drive by that on 131. Uh, in Kalkaska, and so uh, that's that's been fun for people to say, "Hey, I drove by your place. Uh, uh-huh. Our place is in you know Reading, Michigan, down at the base of the state. Right. Our third launch is in the foothills of the Appalachians, and even today, we're entertaining a young man um, who we are working through the process. He is looking to launch in eastern Montana. Oh. Um, we are looking to launch, and we've started these conversations, research and development of a, a county called Chippewa County 
in Wisconsin, little town called Stan, Stanley out there. Uh, Lamont, Kansas, which is a town of 28 people, but some <laughs> great leadership. And I really mean great leadership. Wow. And so when we talk about it, everybody knows the challenges. We are, I, I do think we're offering a hope and a model that we know works. And yeah. people are excited about that. Yeah. Well, I think it's really incredible. And, and to your point, you know, I, I think there, I don't know what the number is, but there's a lot of dollars that pour into inner city youth. Um, and rightfully so. I, I, I think there's some some good things, good programs going on there. But when you when it comes to the rural youth, um, sometimes I worry about uh, about what what's happening there and how it feels ignored and all the resources are so scattered it's hard to make an impact and make a difference so I I think you're saying eastern Montana I'm thinking man that is a rural youth right there if you're in eastern Montana sure yeah Yeah. well um, tell me about in terms of in terms of your organization uh, if people are are interested and want to try to help you in this mission uh, tell me about uh, how, how do they find you how do they get a hold of you well, uh, so we're online, crossroadsfarm.org, crossroads, plural, farm, singular, dot org, O-R-G. And that's the best way to get a hold of us. Uh, you can contact us, contact us a variety of ways and see our, our platform, see what we do there. Um, but our phone rings, too. So yeah. 517-283-3982. And we answer the phone most often. Don't try and sell us much. We don't have a lot of money. But, <laughs> <laughs> but we, we, we love to talk about rural America, and that was one of our things. We just said we want to be the mouthpiece for eastern Montana that doesn't have a very loud voice right now. Well, I think that's, that's so strong. And, Doug, I, you know, I've, I personally listened to you speak. You're one of my favorite speakers, uh, and it's fun oh, to hear man. you talk. And so, again, I know that you do some of that as well. Um, if uh, people are looking for a professional uh, speaker to come out and share and enlighten the crowd, uh, whether it's about youth or about other missions in life, uh, it's it's uh, it's a good opportunity as well. So, Doug, anything else? Uh, I've got a single minute left in, in this amazing conversation. Anything else you want us to know about, uh, about where you're headed and what you'd like to see done? Well, I think that uh, what I would end by saying is this. There are a lot of people who... who envision starting something. And I'm going to tell you that the first step and the second step and the third step are really the keys to changing the world. And we believe that. We believe we're on route to changing the world and we want to see other people do the same thing. Wow. That's that's a great inspiration for us. Doug, hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate you spending time with us. Oh, thank you. It's been fun. It's yeah. been fun. Yeah, it's been fun. You bring a smile to my face every time I see you anyways, Doug. So it's good to have <laughs> you and Don doing the work you're doing. Can't thank you enough for your investment in rural teens and in the lives of individuals that, that uh, in their life, they'll look back as an 80-year-old going, there was a time when somebody made a difference and made it, made it really count. And I think that's, that's the way to live a life on purpose. And I'm so proud of you, Doug. So grateful for you and grateful that you tuned in to the Michigan Business Network. This This is the Leadership Lowdown. I'm Vic Vershero. I look forward to talking to you next time.